0: You can be opening your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 16. This morning we're going to wrap up the teaching series Better uh, Together and um, help us understand that that's true not only for those, those of us who are already here, but for everyone else in this world that God loves and wants to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. I know many of you uh, have been praying for uh, all that's going on in northern California with all the, the wildfires. What was it, 88 people? And those fires north of Sacramento, 88 people have lost their their lives. Uh, about 14,000 homes have been destroyed. Can you imagine the devastation that part of our country is feeling, with that many homes burned? And, that? and there's still people unaccounted for. More than 150,000 acres have burned. And uh, you see on the map uh, the location of that fire. Um, just uh, a, a beautiful mountainous area north of Sacramento. And it started on a Thursday, in November 8, and it spread quickly. In fact, at its peak, that fire was burning about one acre a second. Just imagine as it was just jumping and spreading so quickly, about one acre a second at its at when it was the hottest. And so it was it was devastating. And when it started, the schools nearby evacuated. But there was one. There was one elementary school, Ponderosa Elementary in Paradise, which is right in the middle of where that fire was taking place. They evacuated, and parents and family members came to pick up the children. But there were about 22. There were 22 children that had not yet been picked up, parents unable to get there for different uh, reasons. And uh, the principal and a bus driver decided they would put those 22 children on a bus, And the driver and two teachers, a kindergarten teacher and I believe a second grade teacher, would get them out of there and get them to safety. And So that's what they did, and they started out. But the roads looked just like they do on the screen there. It was gridlock. And it took them, listen to this, it took them five hours to get to the reunification location. Five hours. The smoke was so thick it made the sky look like it was night. Um, Fire on both sides of the highway, to the left you would see fires, to the right you would see fires. The kids were scared. At one point it was so bad that uh, they, they stopped and they prayed together on the bus. And smoke, when the bus would slow down, smoke would begin, would begin coming inside and the children were having difficulty breathing. So the bus driver took off his shirt, he had some bottled water. And he, he poured that on those pieces of shirt that he, that he tore, gave it to the kids so they could place it over their mouth and, and breathe. And they finally, after five hours, made it to safety. And all the kids were reunited with their family. And those two teachers on that uh, school bus called the driver uh, the bus driver from heaven. I love that. The bus driver from heaven. Do you understand that that is exactly what Jesus Christ is for each of us who are his disciples? He's the bus driver from heaven who has rescued us from the flames of hell and taken us to a place that is secure and safe where we can be with our family, with fellow believers, with the Lord himself. Jesus, Jesus is our bus driver from heaven will not you look at this verse on the screen from the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 that says, Jesus is the one, notice this, who rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. We saw this back in, in August when we were looking at our identity in Jesus, that, that before Christ we are, we are not children of God, we are children of darkness. Rather than belonging to the kingdom of God, we belong to the kingdom or the domain of of the of the evil one. And, and Jesus, when we placed our faith in him, rescued us from where we were and took us to someplace new. He's our bus driver from heaven. First Thessalonians 1:13, Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. The fire is not over. There is judgment in the future. There is, e- there is eternal damnation. And, and he's our bus driver from heaven. He's rescued us from that if we are his disciples. His followers. Aren't you thankful for that? will not you give the Lord a hand for rescuing you from hell and from wrath and from those fires? And, and He makes us a family because we've had, we've had the same experience. Each and every one of us, if we know Jesus Christ, are on the same bus. How about that? There's not different buses. We're on the same bus. We're going to the same place. We've got the same driver, the same Savior. He's made us Family. We're better together. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. You may never have thought about it like that, but that is what we celebrate at Christmas. You remember when Joseph and Mary were engaged and she becomes pregnant and Joseph is confused and he prays and he's thinking about divorcing her, legally ending the, uh, the engagement and God sends an angel to speak to Joseph. Do you remember what the angel said to Joseph? Look on the screen, Matthew 1:21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will do what? Save his people from their sins. You see, the thing that created the fire, now the fire out in California, they're still investigating the source of it. But we know there's, there's no research needed, no, no investigation required. We know that the reason for our fire, the reason for the fire that is, that is surrounding every human being is sin. We, we know its cause. And Jesus has come to rescue us from the fire we started in our own lives, to rescue us from our own sin. He really, he really is our bus driver from heaven. Guess what? Now, now that you are His, now that you've been rescued, now that you've been saved, now that you are a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, you also are a bus driver. And God says you're to drive His bus and rescue people. Rescue people from the fire they've started by their own sin. Rescue people from lostness, from an eternity in hell without God. You are to drive that bus and invite them to get on the bus with you. You are to drive that bus and ask them to become part of your group, part of your family, because the Bible says God so loved whom? The world. John 3:16 say it with me church God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life the world includes those who are not already on the bus the world includes those who are all who are not already part of our family and God says you are to invite everyone to get on the bus with us now there's one more thing Jesus made it very, very clear that driving that bus and inviting people to get on, rescuing people from the fire of sin and the hell is the primary reason a church exists. Because so often we make it about other things that are good things, and this main thing, what Jesus said, was the main thing becomes secondary. And Jesus made it crystal clear. The main thing for the church is to fulfill his mission of rescuing people. From the fires of lostness and hell. Do you have your Bible? Matthew 16. Whether it's a written Bible or an electronic Bible, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is with his disciples. And uh, they're, they're in the, the northernmost location that Jesus traveled in the promised land. And they have a conversation. Now, you're you're familiar with this passage, but I want us to break it down a little bit today. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, so he's up in the northern area above above, uh, Judea and Samaria and Galilee, he's way up there. He was asking his disciples, so he's talking to the twelve. He says, who do people say that, that the Son of Man is? Hey, guys, what's the gossip? What's the scuttlebutt? What are you all hearing out there about me? Who do people think I am? They answer in verse 14, and and it's multiple of the disciples who say this. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. They, They think, Jesus, you are one of those prophets from the past, John the Baptist, right on back to Jeremiah and the others who are dead. Let's come back to life. Or you're a great prophet like them. They, they think you're you're someone unique, significant, special. They they really don't know who you are, but they know you're somebody somebody important and you're you're a great spiritual figure, like those old prophets. Well, doesn't that sound like our culture today? The majority of people in America would would say Jesus matters. He's important. He's a spiritual leader. He was a teacher. He was a prophet. But they don't really know who he is. Isn't, isn't that the world we live in today? And so Jesus now makes it a little bit more personal. In verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? See, you see, it's one thing for the culture, the people in the world to have attitude or opinions about who Jesus is. It's something else for you who say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a believer. You need to know who he really is, and as you're driving that bus and and inviting people to get on, you're helping them know who he is, but you can't help them know who he is if you don't really know who he is. And so he, he says to the disciples, well, what do you think? What's your opinion? Who do you think I am? And in verse 16, Simon Peter, speaking for the group, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in our English Bible, Christ is the Greek word Christos, which is the equivalent of the Hebrew word for Messiah. So, Jesus, you are the, the Messiah that, that our people, the Jewish people have been looking for all these centuries, the one who was going to come and rescue us and, and, and save us. And many of them in their day thought the Messiah would just be a military deliverer, a, a great leader who would ra- rescue them from Roman oppression. But, but we know the Messiah is much more than that. He's, he's not delivering from the fire of Roman persecution. He's, he's delivering from the fire of sin and hell and eternity. His kingdom is not limited to a geographical area on planet earth. His kingdom is eternal and it's the whole universe and it includes everybody who knows him and loves him. And so Peter says, you're the Messiah. You are the Christ, the anointed one. You are, notice that you are the son of the living God. Now I don't have time to unpack this, but Peter knew who he was. He just did not fully understand what that meant. Have to deal with that at another sermon, but he did at least know who he who he was, and so Jesus responded to Peter in verse 17 by saying, "Blessed are you Simon Bar Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven, he said, Peter, you're right. That's who I am, Messiah Christ, Son of the Living God, and and and, and the Father in heaven has revealed that to you. It's not something that is humanly discerned." And the truth is, for anyone to really know who Christ is and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is the work of the Holy Spirit in that person's heart, soul, and mind, revealing Jesus to them. See, we share the gospel. We share the truth. We share God's love. We love people. But you and I can't convince anybody of anything. Only God can do that but he uses our sharing, our inviting them to get on the bus, our telling them who Jesus is in our life and who he wants to be in their life to help them come to understand that as the Holy Spirit uses that truth and that word to impact them. And so he said, Peter, you're right. Now he starts talking about something a little differently. Begins speaking about the church. Verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the King James translates it, hell, the gates of Hades will not overpower it, overcome it, defeat it, etc. So let's just, let's just stop there and, and look at that for a moment. You're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, you know our Catholic brothers and sisters will say Peter is the rock the church is built upon, and that's not what we believe the Bible teaches. There's a passage over in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 22 that talk about it's the, That this growing family of God, this growing temple of God, this growing church of Jesus Christ is built on the foundation of all the apostles and disciples with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone that holds it all together. And in the Greek here, Peter is that little rock. His name is a little rock. The church... When Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on this rock, is a different word. It's for the, the big rock. And so Jesus said, Peter, you're a little rock, but on this big rock, I'm going to build my church. What's the big rock? What they've been talking about. Who am I? What's the gossip? What do, I, what do, what do people say about me, who I am? Well, they think you're a spiritual person, this prophet, whatever. Then Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter got it right and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're right. And Peter, upon this big rock, on this big foundation, on this big truth, I will build my church. You see, the church exists on the foundation of who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God who came to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of humanity. And when you separate, you separate the reason Jesus came From the foundation of the church and the mission of the church and the purpose of the church, you may have a building, but you don't have a church. A church, his church, is built on that big foundation of who he is as Messiah and as Savior. And listen, brothers and sisters, everything we do, our mission, our reason for being, when we talk about loving God, loving people, and making disciples, it all grows out of who Jesus Christ is. The Jesus we celebrate at Christmas came to do this, to give his life as a ransom, to do this. So he could build a spiritual house, a spiritual temple, a spiritual family. We're better together, but we're together because of this. And then he says, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, I think this is one of the most important verses in the New Testament. It's also one of the least understood. Because we read that verse, and if we're not careful, we 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 say to ourselves, hey, the church is strong and the world can't defeat us. No matter what Satan does to attack the people of God, we win. And we, we, we read this verse and we're encouraged. And and we live on the defensive. It's it's especially true in today's culture where more and more people are not believing in Jesus Christ and and more and more people are having negative opinions of the gospel and Jesus as the way of salvation. And and so we, we, we don't like all that's going on in our culture and all that's going on in our country and we want to hide and hunker down and protect ourselves. But that is not what that verse is talking about. Let me explain for you what that verse is saying. Jesus says the gates of Hades. Hades is the realm of the dead. It includes hell and, and everything else. And, 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 and he says that will not overpower the church. Now think with me for a minute, believers. A moment ago, we saw that when Jesus rescued us, he rescued us from the domain of what? Darkness. From the domain of Satan. From from that realm. And, and, and he delivered us into the family of God, into the into the place of light, the kingdom of, of, of Jesus Christ. Now, gates in ancient times, cities of all sizes were often surrounded by a wall. You go to Jerusalem and There's a famous wall today, right? You go to a lot of cities around the world, ancient ruins, and you'll see the the remnants of, of ancient walls. Why did cities build a wall around it? Huh? To protect it. To protect the people on the inside from an enemy that was attacking on the outside. Is that not true? So the wall was to protect the people inside the city. What were the gates? The gates were the places you went in and out. Correct? And when an army would attack a city that was surrounded by a wall, what was the first place they would attack? The gate. Why? Because the gate's the weakest part of the wall. That's where you break through and defeat, capture the city. The people on the inside. Now I want you to look at your Bible, okay? Look at your Bible for a moment. Look at that verse again. Jesus said, and the gates of what? The gates of Hades, the gates of hell, the domain of darkness, the domain of Satan. See, it's not the church that is surrounded by a wall. He's not saying that. We're not the ones hunkered down inside a wall hiding from an enemy out there trying to attack us and Destroy us. We're not in a wall. The gates, which are part of the wall, are part of the wall that surrounds the domain of darkness. Hades, hell is the kingdom of Satan that Jesus is here describing as a city under attack. Listen, brothers and sisters. Every person in your family, place of work, this city... This country who does not know Jesus Christ in a saving relationship, they are lost and they are in the domain of darkness this very moment. They are in Satan's city, surrounded by his wall because he doesn't want us to get them out and he doesn't want them to get out. Do you understand that? But notice what Jesus says. I'm going to build my church on what? On the rock of who I am. I'm the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And Jesus says when a church is built on that even the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of the kingdom of the evil one, the gates that, that, that are part of the wall that, that surround the domain of darkness where all lost people are, where you were before you became a follower of Jesus Christ, those gates cannot stand up when his church attacks. Since the church that's out here, brothers and sisters... And it's the lost and hell and Satan that are in here, brothers and sisters. And it's not just that they attack us. We are attacking that place. And the gates can't stand up against us when we do. And how do we attack? We take the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to knock down the gate and let anyone, any person... Who will say yes to Jesus? Whosoever will, let them come walking out and become part of our army. See, God's not calling you and me today to hunker down like a monastery hundreds of years ago hiding from the world. He says, march, 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 and take the gospel and knock down those gates and give people the opportunity to get out of that place so they can be part of our family because we really are better together. Now look at the next verse, and I give to you the keys, right? Hmm? I give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now what, what do you do with keys, huh? You, you lock and unlock. Right, And when you lock something, it's to keep people out or keep somebody in. And when you unlock it, it's to let somebody out or somebody in. You lock and unlock with keys, right? And those gates get locked. And Jesus said, I'm giving to you the keys to what? To the kingdom of heaven. Because, you see, if this is the domain of darkness, out here is the kingdom of heaven. And who do you think wants to keep all lost people locked up in this city of darkness and fire and devastation? Who do you think wants to get them out? Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm giving to you, my church, giving to you, my people, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, lest you think, as some say, the keys were only given to Peter over in chapter 18, verse 18. He said the same thing to all 12 disciples very explicitly. So those keys are to all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And here's what happens, brothers and sisters. When you and I engage someone who doesn't know Jesus in a conversation, when we pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus, when we invite them to church, when we share our testimony, our story with them, when we share the gospel with them, we are taking the keys to the kingdom of heaven, walking up, and we're unlocking that door and saying, won't you walk out? We are opening for them the possibility of coming out. And if we do it on earth, it happens in heaven. But here's the flip side. Whatever you bind or lock on earth will be bound or locked in heaven. Didn't he say that as well? So every time you and I take these keys, the gospel, we keep them in our pocket. I'm not going to talk to somebody. I'm not going to invite anybody. I'm not going to pray for anybody. I'm not going to serve those lost people. I'm going to hunker down in my monastery over here and hide. I'm not going to be in the army of God marching up to the gates of hell. Every time we put the keys in our pocket and we leave them there, we leave those doors locked, bound. And if we keep the gates to the domain of darkness locked on earth, they're locked in heaven and they miss out on the possibility of even walking out of that city into the glorious beauty of heaven and the kingdom of God. See, Jesus in Matthew 28, all authority on earth and in heaven is given to me. Isn't that what he said and if it's all the authority of heaven and earth it's just all the authority there is there's none there's none lacking he's got it all and he said therefore cause of this go go march march up to those gates and do what church make disciples see, Our purpose statement, why we exist, love God, love people, make disciples, that banner over here and back behind you. See, when you love God and love people, you will do that third one. You cannot do the first two with all your heart and not make any effort at the third one. They just go together. He said all authority heaven and earth is mine. Therefore, because of that, you go, you march up to those gates and you make Disciples of all nations or in the Greek, all ethnic groups, all people groups, all races, anybody and everybody, anyone and everyone. That includes your relatives and your neighbors and your work associates and your classmates. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to obey, to do all the things that I've taught you. Do you get this? Do you understand this? Huh? So we say, invite someone to, to worship. Invite someone to Sunday school. We're charging the gates of hell. When we say, pray for somebody who's lost, we're charging the gates of hell. When we say, share your testimony, your story, the gospel with somebody, we're charging the gates of hell. When we refuse to do those things, we keep the doors locked so that they can't get out and into the kingdom of God. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And that's why I said that Jesus is our bus driver from heaven rescuing us from the fires. And then he turns around and says, Now, you go drive that bus. You go rescue people because they need you. And when you love people, when you love people, Find a way to do that. See, brother Alvin, sitting out here. I'm gonna hope I get this right, brother Alvin. I first met him. I baptized you what a year ago, February this year. First met Alvin down to City Club a while back, lunch. We just started talking over months, and they, he they, he came to our celebration of freedom service. I think the first time. And Jim's sitting over here, Jim Crowder, buddies. Was the first one, I think, to invite Al. You're the one that talked to him and invited him to church, right? You get it, folks? You get it? I said no several times before I ever said yes. I stayed in that city longer than I had to. And my uncle who lived in Detroit would visit and share the gospel or go to church on Sunday when he was at our house and invite me to go. And I I said no, I said no, I said no. And then one time I said yes, but that morning I chickened out and pretended to be sick. And so I said no again. But he kept, he kept knocking on the door. He, he kept getting the keys out of his pocket. When two men came to our house because what well, eventually became my home church, started a little mission church a couple of miles from where I lived. And, and, and it was just a Sunday school, a little, a little Sunday school at that time, and they were driving a church van picking up boys and girls, and they came to our house just to talk to our family and ask us if we would go. And I can remember going to the bedroom and closing the door and just waiting for them to leave. I said, no, I said, no, I said, no. Now, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school my sister started going to church, riding the church bus, and she invited me to go. And I said, no, I said, no, I said, no. "No." And and then I remember in that geometry class when that beautiful girl named Evelyn turned around and said, Hey if you come to church tonight you can sit with me and I said yes, I said yes, I said, Yes. And so the first time I said yes was for unholy reasons. <laughs> But I I went, I, I, I caught that church bus, and I went, and guess what? I was able to walk out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God because somebody took out the keys and said, We are opening the door for you. Don't stop inviting. They may say no a lot of times before they say yes. But don't stop inviting. Don't keep the keys in your pocket. Love God, love people, make disciples. Love God, love people, make disciples. Keep doing it. Christmas, by the way, is a great time to do it, to invite people. We, we, by the way, we're having two Christmas Eve services this, this year. They're, they'll be identical, one at 3 o'clock one at 5 o'clock. So we've, we're, we're, we're doubling our space to have people. So invite people. Um, you know... Many, many of you, like me, moved Friday when we heard that President uh, Bush had died. What was he? 94 years old, I believe it was. He had died Friday. And of course, his wife, Barbara, uh, had died earlier in the year. I think it was April. When she died, there was a political cartoonist who drew this really neat cartoon. Let's show, let's show you that. I, I love that cartoon. Uh, because they had a, a daughter named Robin. I believe she was five years old when she had died, I think, of leukemia. So this political cartoonist, you know, and they usually do satire and a lot of mean stuff. But this one, you know, he did something really nice, and here's Barbara Bush when she died back in April uh, and uh, just imagining their little girl and them having a reunion in, in, in heaven. Well, that same political cartoonist drew another cartoon when President Bush died, and of course that's, that's representing the plane he flew in World War II as a fighter pilot, and now you see Barbara and President Bush and their little girl between them, and they say, "We waited for you." Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's exactly how heaven works, but I am. But the sentiment, the sentiment, because you see. When I get to heaven, there's some people I want to see. I want to see my grandfather. I led him to Jesus when he was 76 years old. He died later that same year. I want to see Paul. I want to see my grandfather. I want to see my dad. He died... 31 years ago, when he was 54 of cancer, I baptized him in July. Five months later, he died. I want to see Dad. Who's who is going to who is going to be in heaven because of you? Who have you invited to get on the bus? and you've driven driven them to safety? Who who is part of our spiritual family of faith because you love them enough to make room for them in our family? Well, what, what am I asking you to do with this? It's simple. I'm asking you to invite someone. A lot of us have these things around our house or jewelry or on a car. Jesus is the reason for the season. Or another popular one, keep Christ in Christmas. I'll tell you, better than either of those, you want to honor Jesus, you want to keep Jesus in Christmas, better than some little medallion or piece of jewelry or a bumper sticker or sending out some negative post on Facebook, you you want to keep Jesus in Christmas, invite somebody to worship Jesus with you on the Lord's Day. You want to keep Jesus in Christmas, invite somebody to come with you to the Christmas Eve service. You want to keep Jesus in Christmas? Then make a list of people who are lost and going to hell and get on your face before God and pour out your heart and pray for their salvation. You want to keep Jesus in Christmas? Then do what Jesus said is the reason His church even exists in the first place. And that will honor Him more than anything else we can do this Christmas. Because, brothers and sisters, am I wrong or am I right? Jesus came to this earth for that very reason. Better together. The bigger the family gets, the better. I have four grandkids. I think I'm going to have more. That's what they say. So, yeah. More is good. So who are you inviting? Hmm? Your Sunday school classes, having your Christmas parties. What person that doesn't go to church, what person that doesn't come to Sunday school are you going to invite to come with you? Are you going to go and pick up and say, I'll bring you with me? Because you want them to know that God loves them and you love them and they can be a disciple, follower of Jesus Christ. Or is it just another Christmas party? Why do we do what we do? Jesus cares. And so do we. Right? Let's stand. As Steve and the team leads us in singing, the altar is uh, is here for you. And I encourage you, if God has been speaking to your heart, to get on your knees here and pray, to pray for someone who's lost, someone you want to invite, to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you with boldness and courage, to give you words to speak. Brother Jamie and... And I are here, if you would like to join First Baptist, we invite you to come and you can become part of this church family. If you'd like to request baptism, come and let us know that. And most importantly, if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, come today and say, Pastor, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to become a follower of His. Let's sing together. You come.